Good evening, you're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM, HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm Gabe Shumway. 
And this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, Northwestern's Free Art Museum and how students can attend. Catching up with a Grammy Award winner on his latest project. Where people find love at a school like Northwestern. And a recap of all the snow, sun, and tornadoes this past week. Those stories and more coming up from Northwestern University. This is WNUR News at 6. Northwestern is home to a free art museum, but do students visit it and know what resources it offers? Rachel Spears has the story. ...to explore the visual arts for free without even having to leave campus. The Block Museum of Art, affectionately called The Block, is Northwestern's own art museum. Located just south of Norris University Center and across the way from Pickstager Auditorium, it is accessible to students and the public most days of the week. It is open for classes, tours, and just browsing interesting artwork. According to their website, the museum's mission is to act as an engine that drives questioning, experimentation, and collaboration across fields of study. The works on display and the resources provided by the museum hope to create spaces for shared encounters that help people to better understand themselves and the world around them. As engagement coordinator at the block, Isabella Coe has a unique insight into what goes on behind the scenes to make spaces for students to engage with art. She explained the intentionality behind the museum. We are an art museum on a university campus, right? So that kind of, um, that means that like we really see ourselves as an art museum for our campus and for campus communities. Ella Hunter Campbell is an exchange student from University College London. She visited the museum for one of her classes this quarter and enjoyed being able to interact with art without having to go far. I think it's incredible. Um, I'm an exchange student and my university at home has a similar thing where we have art and everything else, but it's not as modern, if that makes sense. It's really nice that they have like touring exhibitions and stuff in there and all of the staff were really lovely and knew a lot about what they were talking about and everything else. And I kind of, I came away amazed actually. While the blog provides students with opportunities to visit in their classes, it is geared towards making a sustained impact on its diverse audiences. Co described how one way in which the museum hopes to engage with the community is through programs like the Block Cinema, which shows films about topics that range in genre from experimental to classic. The Block acts as a unique resource to students of all academic backgrounds, from RTVF to art history, from STEM to economics. Another program called the Block Student Associates enables students to spearhead tours and make decisions about what pieces of artwork will find a permanent place in the collection. Why that like relates to the like communal aspect is because it's like it takes a lot of work to like get consensus right amongst like many individuals. Even with, like two people, it's hard to like get to consensus on things. So like the trust and like honesty and vulnerability and like clear and direct but kind communication that is necessary in order to like come to those kinds of decisions. By engaging students in the development of the museum and actively working on strengthening ties with the university, the block creates a bright future for itself. Only more could grow out of that. The art galleries are also an important part of the museum. Upstairs there are exhibits which encourage audiences to pause and think more deeply about the art that they are taking in. One Weinberg first year and Block Museum employee, Alex Crowell, reflected on how the art makes him feel. It's a place where students can interact with art in a lot of different ways. Like, like me, I have gone there as a visitor, but also as an employee. So I get to experience the art there in those different ways. He went on to talk about an exhibition by Katie West called The Clearing that incorporates 3D aspects to the art, as well as an audio portion, 
as a part of the museum's Actions for Earth exhibition. But it's just like super relaxing to me and it's very grounding, very earthy. By providing an environment where people can relax and take a moment away from the hustle and bustle of academic life, the block is a welcoming place for students and the community alike. It's just a place where you can go to relax. Like there's study spaces there. Um, I don't think a lot of people know about those study spaces, but they are super like peaceful, relaxing. Like it's really nice. For me, it's a different way of using my brain. I, do, I I'm a science major, but I love art. I love painting, and I love the kind of creative side of that. I think it gives people a way of kind of expressing their feelings and emotions in ways that aren't words. Hunter Campbell goes on to explain why she thinks art is important to everyone. Sometimes people relate a lot more to art and it's more accessible. From noon until 8pm, from Wednesday to Sunday, the Block Museum is open to students and the public. The exhibition, The Block Collects, will be open until March 3rd. Looking 101 will be open until April 21st, and Actions for the Earth, Art, Care, and Ecology will be available until July 7th. And we are free and open for all. We're open for everyone, so we don't like distinguish or anything. For WNUR News, I'm Rachel Spears. Six-time Grammy Award winner Jacob Collier has just released his new album, Jesse, Volume 4. Jessica Watts caught up with the multifaceted artist to learn all about this project and more. In today's world of music, there are so many talented artists that it's often hard to keep up. One you may not know of is six-time Grammy Award winner Jacob Collier, an English singer, songwriter, instrumentalist, and producer. Not only has Collier won Grammy Awards for his own music, but he has also won for his writing, including being a writer on SZA's Good Days. I attended Collier's press conference to learn more about his new studio album, Jesse Volume 4, and what's coming up next for this multifaceted artist. Jesse Volume 4 is the fourth and final installment of Collier's album series, starting with Jesse Volume 1, released in 2018, and Volumes 2 and 3 in 2019 and 2020 respectively, the albums have skyrocketed Collier's success and popularity. I asked Collier what he's looking forward to most this time around. Well, this quadruple album has been six years in the making, so it's, it's quite a hefty chunk of life in there. Um, it's quite emotional that it's coming out. It's kind of a surreal. Um, if I tried to calculate the number of clicks and drags it's taken to complete this album, we'd be in the millions for sure. So uh, yeah, it's just been a, a massive ton of work, but I can't wait to yeah, just hopefully free a bunch of people. I think a lot about freeing people. And that'll be that would feel really good if if this album can hit people in the soul. That that's my that's my big big hope and dream, I suppose. Collaborations have been a major part of Collier's music career. Throughout the Jesse series, Collier has collaborated with other Grammy Award-winning artists such as Ty Dolla Sign, Daniel Caesar, and Tori Kelly. Jesse Volume Four is no different. It's ended up being an album very much in celebration of humankind. I suppose it kind of sounds a bit like that too. It's like huge. Um, amount of human voices actually 100,000 people on the album which is a long story but basically I've been conducting audiences all around the world and recording them and so they're all on the album so yeah I guess in I guess in essence that the story has become about learning 
exploration, um, my personal inspiration, exploring the world, storytelling, and uh, and yeah, just having a bunch of fun. You're all I see. You're all I see. Jesse Volume 4 contains collaborations with Sean Mendez, Brandy Carlisle, Lizzie McAlpine, John Legend, and so many other talented artists. Only one-fourth of the album is without at least one featured artist. So how does Collier make a name for himself when there are so many voices on his album? My job as a collaborator is to essentially scale my universe to be compatible with somebody else's, but without reducing it in scale, in, in a sense, because I, I think there's a, there's a myth about collaboration and life, which is that if you are too big and take up too much space in a room, um, then there'll be kind of less space for other people to find themselves. But I think one thing I've really learned over the course of the last six years is just the kind of transformative nature of being to scale in, in, a, in a recording studio and, and not kind of shrinking down my ambition or my ideas. And I find that when I do that, there's actually more space for the people around me to be big and, and be comfortable and, and feel confident. Since he began his music career at a young age, Collier has exceeded the expectations and genre binaries that exist in the music industry. From alternative to jazz to R&B to folk, the Jesse album series, as well as Collier's entire musical repertoire, avoids being pigeonholed and pushes genres outside of where they have ever been before. I, I tend to find that audiences actually really appreciate not being bent to. Like if you bend to your audience, I think that your audience can like it, but they can also kind of lose trust in you in a weird way. And so I kind of think like the best thing I can do is to make stuff that I really respond to. Um, so with with awareness of the audience and sometimes using the audience and so I, I definitely value my audience greatly in in the, in the creative process but I, but I feel like yeah my job is ultimately is, is just to be honest I kind of I sort of can't help it at the end of the day. Ultimately, what Collier wants his listeners to feel while listening to his album is joy. Joy to me doesn't come from being glad or or like stoked or happy particularly. I think joy comes from being alive, you know, and like how dynamic that can be. You think whoa. There's a lot going on here and to be at one's full dynamic range, I think is, is that to me is joy, joyful, able to receive and absorb any frequency of emotion or life and roll with that feels like, I guess it's like catharsis, I would say. If there was one word I'd use to describe the feeling of joy other than joy, it would be catharsis. You know, the idea that energy can come out and energy can come in and that's something that's worth celebrating. Music has been known to be a universal language that unites people. It can be that sense of catharsis and make you want to sing the lyrics at the top of your lungs. Collier hopes the Jesse album can make you feel that way and more. Jesse Volume 4 is out now. For WNUR News, I'm Jessica Watts. Coming out of the Valentine's Day season, some people are left feeling a little lonely. How do you find love at Northwestern? Francesco Thoric Saboya has the scoop. We've all seen those couples on campus who just can't get off of each other or are always together. Some people think they're obnoxious, while others think, man, I wish I had some type of love like that. We've also seen those countless fizz posts saying there are no good men on Northwestern's campus. So it begs the question, where do you find love 
at NU? A pretty obvious answer is talk to people. Ever see a cute girl or guy in your lecture or discussion group? Walk up to them and introduce yourself. A 2021 Stanford study of about 5,400 adults said that of couples that didn't meet online, 9% of them met in school. Let's hear from Weinberg freshman Kieran McLean, who met his long-term girlfriend in high school. So I was on the soccer team. She's interested in sports medicine. So I was in the trainer's office of my high school. Um, right before a game and she was in there helping all the athletes so that's when we first talked and from there it was it was cool yeah Meeting people organically is the way most people imagine finding their partner and McLean says it's a great way to meet somebody Yeah it's probably best if it's more random cuz yeah that means it's more natural and organic so McLean himself recommends it here and seeing as though he and his girlfriend have been together for 11 months I think it's pretty good advice Another Weinberg freshman who met his girlfriend naturally in school is Sam McLean, but they met while they were both in college. We met at a uh, Collectivo. She complimented my sweatshirt. I asked for her number. The rest is history. On the contrary, online dating has been popular for decades at this point. A 2019 Stanford study said that about 40% of heterosexual couples in 2017 met online, and meeting online is the most popular way for adults to find their partners. With that being said, why don't we break down dating apps? I know, I know. But look, as someone who met my girlfriend on Bumble, I know about the stigma of dating apps and not wanting to tell people how you met. But at the same time, how bad could dating apps really be? Tinder. Tinder is an infamous dating app, and there's this general conception that it's not taken very seriously by most people on there. Some see it as a hookup app or just a place you shouldn't be if you're trying to find a long-term partner. In my personal opinion, Tinder isn't the best. If you're looking for something short-term or just trying to have fun, then go ahead. But if you want a relationship, I'd be remiss to endorse it. Weinberg sophomore Brandon Takahashi thinks dating apps are okay, but he recommends two dating apps in particular if that's the route you're going down. Hinge and Bumble. Which one do you prefer? Probably Hinge. To be honest, I couldn't agree more with Brandon. I think that structurally, Hinge is probably the best app because it lets you look at who gave you likes. You don't get as many likes, you can't just spam them. And there are a lot more people on the app who are looking for something serious compared to Tinder. At least, that's the way I see it. When it comes to Bumble, this is the other app Brandon told me he used. And I think that Bumble has its strengths and weaknesses. Traditionally, men approach women first, and Bumble's gimmick is that it flips the script by having women text men first whenever there's a heterosexual match. Again, this is the app me and my girlfriend met on. But to be honest, she was the only interesting person on this entire app for me personally. I'd definitely go with Hinge if you're only choosing one to use. And if you're downloading two, use Hinge and Bumble. There is one more app I discovered recently. Oh, well, not that one. I don't have any experience using that, but uh... Anyway, one more app I recently discovered was Twine. 
If you're in Medill, you may have seen those little QR codes on the bathroom walls in MFC with a little purple heart in the middle. If you were curious enough to scan the QR code, you'd see it direct you to Twine, yet another dating app. Apparently, it's a dating app meant specifically for college students with the slogan, Match with your campus crush. I have not used it, nor have I found anyone else who has used it, but it seems interesting enough. Let's go back to square one. Where do you find love at NU? You know, there's a Brazilian song called Deixa Acontecer by a group called Grupo Revelação with a lyric that goes Deixa acontecer naturalmente. I couldn't agree more with that statement. It translates to let it happen naturally. Now listen, if there are any lonely post-Valentine's hearts listening to this, know that there's somebody out there for you. If you're talking to somebody, let things happen naturally. And if you want to try dating apps, go right ahead. Well, that's going to be it for Oddities today. Thanks for listening, and get out there and find your lover if you don't already have one. For WNUR News, I'm Francesco Thorik Savoya. Last week, we were hit with everything from snow days to beach days and even a tornado warning. Let's see what's coming up next on this week's episode of Fairweather Friends. Alyssa Rubin has the story. Hi, I'm Alyssa and welcome to the first week of March. This past week of weather has been absolutely insane. We've had snow, beach days, and a tornado warning all in the same week. Basically, the weather is as unpredictable as the intercampus shuttle. From Evanston, Illinois, this is Fairweather Friends. A few weeks ago, Puxatawney Phil predicted an early spring, but I'm not so sure that it's here yet. Looking ahead, next week we'll get a high of 63 degrees and a low of 31. There will be many cloudy days, but limited precipitation. Expect some winds. After all, we are the Windy City, and prepare to juggle between a winter coat and a light sweater. Although we aren't suspecting any tornadoes in the near future, due to last week's warning, I want to share with you some ideas as to how to keep yourself safe and on the ground. According to the National Weather Service, nearly 80% of all tornadoes are between April 1st and June 30th, usually between the late afternoon and early evening hours. Consider these three things to keep yourself safe. Notice the difference between a watch and a warning. A watch is when conditions are ripe for a tornado, while a warning means that an active tornado is present. If you get a tornado warning, take shelter ASAP. Pick your favorite basement or innermost area of a room far away from any windows. Lastly, follow any protocol from any TV, weather teams, apps, or school advisory. That's all for this week's edition of Fairweather Friends. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay on the ground and prepared for unpredictable weather. In Evanston, Illinois, Alyssa Rubin, WNUR News. Now taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe. Yesterday saw a new lecture at Northwestern's Pritzker School of Law. This came from former International Criminal Court President Judge Chile Ibo Osuji. His lecture focused around reframing the idea of peace as a fundamental human right. Illinois is one of five states where CVS and Walgreens will begin dispensing 
uh, mifepristone, an abortion pill. These will begin to be sold in locations that allow in California, New York, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania as well. The Pac-12 already saw its conference break apart with teams headed to other major conferences. The conference shakeup continued this past week with the Mid-American Conference adding UMass, a team that was previously independent in college football. This will extend to other sports such as basketball through sports like uh, though sports like hockey will remain in their current conferences. After protests in 2022, Iran held their next vote for parliament. The Iranian government attempted to encourage more voters, but the turnouts remained low. The election saw roughly 15,000 candidates for a parliament that totals 290 members. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Mika Ellison, and our reporters are Rachel Spears, Jessica Watts, Francesco Thorik-Saboya, and Alyssa Rubin. I'm Gabe Shumway. Catch our next newscast Monday, March 4th. And now, back to scheduled programming. Silo inside us. <laughs>